This is By the Way, a podcast of Covenant Christian Academy, where we discuss education, discipleship, and books. Hello, welcome back to another episode of By the Way. I am your host, John Hayward, and today we are actually going to go back in time to an interview that I recorded with William P. Smith, goes by Bill Smith, who published a very helpful parenting book, Parenting with Words of Grace. And it was a, it was a delightful time. We made it available uh, in the spring and in video format. So here we're happy to give you that today as part of our podcast. So thank you, Bill, for joining us. Great to be with you this morning, John. Thank you. Let me, uh, let me pray for our time together. Lord, thank you that you sovereignly care for your church, that uh, Jesus uh, is our great uh, shepherd, and that he is the Lord of the universe, uh, that he is sovereign over just uh, the, the current disruptions uh, with seeking to mitigate the spread of the coronavirus. Lord, that he is sovereign over all the influences that have shaped Bill, that have shaped me, Lord, and that will shape this conversation. We just ask that you would, in your mercy and grace and, and, and great love for us, leverage all of those things to make it profitable for us uh, and for anyone else who listens in. Uh, and would it particularly, Lord, transform us in ways that will bless our children. We pray this mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd love for people to get to know you a bit as far as introduce yourself in whatever way you want. So I live a little bit outside of Philadelphia. My wife and I have been married 28 years now. We've been here about 18, a little bit over 18, have three children, two who are in that quick transition phase. One just got married this past December. She'll be finishing up her last year of college. Uh, we have another one who's got another year of college left. And then our baby is a senior. And so we're in that really wonderful, cool place where we're helping everybody else launch. We've taken a number of years through their teens to sort of transition from we are the caregivers, the feeders, the waterers, uh, to more of that. Can you trust us? And, and, and can we be helpful to you? And advice. And yeah, boy, that was a really not a great decision. What can we do with that now? And, and I think we've had a good time in that transition, still have good relationships with our kids. Looking forward to what the next phase is like. That's great. Congratulations on the, the marriage of your, your daughter, right? I'm, I'm yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's our, our first, our, our daughter. And we're now in that place where we're still getting used to saying son-in-law without pausing beforehand. Uh, because <laughs> it's kind of like a Yes, we do have a son-in-law. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we don't introduce him as Cassie's boy. This is our son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another basic question. I guess I have, I have two questions, and I'll let you pick on in which order you answer them. One is, why did you write the book? And the other one is, kind of, how did you write the book? And the reason I say, how did you write the book, is because I've read a lot of your booklets, and many of them are about parenting, right? questions like how to intervene when your child's made a big mistake. I forget what it is. Uh, but, and then we're like, how to talk to your kids about sex. How do I stop blowing it with my kids? Things like that. What is this book the fruit of? So it's a mixture of like why and how. Gotcha. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, it's a, it, it's a good question. This is a book that uh, it probably goes back to like, I think maybe 13, 14 years now. It was one of those assignments, you know, okay, we're going to do a, a seminar. I was part of uh, CCF at the time. We're going to do this seminar, talk about something, pick something. Uh, and it had to do with speaking and, and using our tongues wisely. It was one of those, okay, I, I got into the topic, uh, learned a lot from it, and also noticed that other people really seem to be benefiting from that, uh, which then started me, okay, are there other places that I can do this? And it started to expand it. So that would be sort of just the really mundane version. What is it that gets me excited about communicating with our kids? I think a lot of the times when people want to develop good relationships, they tend to fall off into two camps. On the one side are people who say, we just need a big event. We need something really over the top, something to gather everybody together. Let's take a vacation. Let's go out to an amusement park. Let's go have dinner together. Let's take the trip of the lifetime. And they hope that out of that big event, relationship happens. Other people, I think, are on the other side of, gee, I don't know. It, it, I don't have any intentionality and I don't really know what to do. And I'm just sort of hoping that, you know, as we go through life together, that something will come out of that. I think scripture is very different. Scripture comes to us and says there are very clear things that you can do on a very regular basis that either will move you toward relationship or away from relationship. And one of those is communication. It's how we take words and use them in such a way that we communicate to someone, you're valued, you're wanted, this is a good world for you to live in. I'm part of that world. The Lord has been very gracious to you in bringing us into, into that world together. And, and you communicate that not so much in theological treatises, but in how you ask, what would you like for breakfast? Or, okay, now you've spilled milk all over the table, and here's the words that we're going to use in order to remediate that situation. Or, how do I help you develop life skills? All of those little tiny words that we use in ways that we don't even think about are always moving people closer to us or they're moving people further away. And I think just being able to share, you can do something to create a context that people can be drawn into. And it's something that you can do very intentionally. I think that's empowering to people and, and encouraging. You, you mentioned it in the early chapters of your book, but could you expand on that about how each conversation is an invitation? What I was noticing there uh, in those early chapters is that every time we talk, we're always saying three things. We're always communicating what we value in life. You know, Jesus works very hard to say, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and so every time we open our mouths, we're saying, this is what I really think is most important in life. I'm going to call attention to it, and I'm not going to call attention to all these other things. And so we, we talk about what we value. We talk about what we, you know, to put in more theological language, we talk about what we worship. We talk about what has ultimate meaning in our lives. And we're always doing that. We can't help but do that. And we do that with what we say. We do that with what we don't say. So we're always communicating, one, what I value as a person. Secondly, whenever I open my mouth and start to talk, I'm always talking about how I see your place in my world, how I value you. Uh, are you simply someone who is here to listen to me talk and lecture? Or can we have a relationship? And, and, and what does that relationship look like? Are you an extension of myself? Are you someone that I wrap my world around? Are you someone that I see as an equal image of God with incredible potential and, and desperate needs that are really only met at the foot of the cross where we come together? 
So I'm always communicating what I value. I'm always communicating your place in the world as I see it. And along with that, then the third one is an implied question, mm-hmm. which is based on what you just had of me <laughs> and how I see the world, how I see you, would you like to have another conversation? Would you be interested in more of that? Would that be something that would be life-giving to you? Or is that something you think, yeah, no, I, I really would like to have as little of you as possible. And the, the sooner that I grow up and get out, the better off I think my life will be. And I think we're not aware of that invitation as we're cleaning up milk, as we're doing homework, as we're organizing the chores of the house. But when we're aware of that invitation, it changes how we approach each other and especially how we approach our kids. What Bill referenced there uh, is crucial to his book, uh, as he writes here, you are a megaphone. You are made in God's image, and therefore you speak with greater weight for glory or shame than you often realize, because you speak as his visible representative on earth. You can't help it. So knowing God's character is crucial. We're images of God, which means that what we, we're supposed to reflect to each other the ways that God himself would engage us if he were here. And so you go through the scripture and you discover that God does the same thing that I just did with my words. You recognize that God is always speaking and he's always communicating. Here's what is of value to him. And he's always communicating the way that we intersect into, in his world and, and the possibility of relationship there. And the way that he engages us is in such a way that it invites us to have more. You know, one of the things that, that I've been irritated by over the, the years that I've been in ministry is sort of this idea that a relationship with God is, is this leap of faith. And I think, oh, that's, I think I understand what people are trying to say, but I don't think it's accurate. Yeah. Because what I see in scripture is God giving us reasons to have faith. You watch the way that he interacts with people who are not living brilliantly. <laughs> and you think, that was kind. That was really gentle. That's amazing. I, I, I would not treat someone like that if they had just blown up my world that I took so much time and, and cared to build. And you start to realize, wow, he's somebody who can handle weak people well. He's giving us reasons to have faith and giving us reasons to trust him. And I think in turn now, as an image of God, I want to try to do the best that I can mm. with the, the ones around me. Yeah. And so I, I guess as I thought about Again, how do we do that now? Even in like some moments of frustration, when things are closer together, there's more friction and all the rough spots are are felt more intensely. And like I thought of the story of like getting the van from the book. We can go to that story if you want, or if there are other things that you'd like to say about just like small moment tensions. I love that story. Let me put that on hold for just a minute because I think what is what's our present moment doing for us? It's taking relationships that are used to a certain structure and a certain rhythm and a certain pattern. And the relationships are still the same, but the structure and the pattern and the rhythm is not. And so there's this weird disconnect that we're, okay, I I know you and I know your name and I know what you're like, but you're now doing you in this different space. And I don't know what to do with that. As much as I love vacation, vacation always stresses my family because it does exactly this moment to us. I'm very used to getting up when I want to get up, making my life work the way that I want it to work. And now, wait, I have to adapt to the other four of you. And you have to do the same with me. And those first several days are always a 
a bit of a rub. It's like the first several days of summer vacation when the kids are home and they're no longer scheduled and structured for those six, eight, 10 hours. And now you realize, oh, now, now some of that structure is up to me. Yeah. The difficulty of this moment is everybody's home and everybody is trying to make things work. And some of us who are able to work from home have discovered that what used to be our office is now filled up with people who don't necessarily respect that we're trying to get anything done. And how do you, it, I think part of the difficulty of this time is just, let me say that differently. I think part of living in this time well is just accepting it's difficult and we're having to make those adjustments and it's okay to give ourselves a little bit of space and say, we probably won't get this all down in the next two days. Efficiency is going to be a little bit less. Friction is going to be a little bit more. Mm. Uh, but we'll settle into a new rhythm and a new pattern, just like we did two months ago. Yeah, and I, I love that, that you used vacation, as, which is true. I think we can all experience that on vacations, right? Like, we are going to have a good time. Uh, <laughs> but yet, just kind of, it helps us realize some of the difficulties at the moment, because under best circumstances, hey, we're all going to have this fun time those disruptions to schedules and rhythms and personal spaces still causes tension. So of course it's going to do that in this situation. Yeah. And that would be really helpful for us to still process it that way. One of the things that I think is really useful at this time is to just, can you over communicate? Uh, probably not. Hmm. And, and part of that communicating is acknowledging this is the world that God has given us. God is still sovereign. This is not confusing to him. This is not surprising to him. Our kids need to hear that from us, that this is still God's world. He is still in charge. And every time God shifts something in his world, it does create some friction, some, oh, I don't know how to deal with that, but it also opens up an opportunity. And so family, can we start asking, what's the opportunity here for us? Yeah. Uh, what is God allowing us that we may not have been able to have two weeks ago, three weeks ago? One of the things that I like to do with my family, with my friends, is sometimes just seed questions out there and say, we, I don't necessarily need us to answer this today, but I do need us to understand this is the question. Hmm. I want to put that out there. Book of Proverbs is very clear that the wise person doesn't just shoot their mouth off. So let's just think about this. What's the opportunity that we have? So in a sense, like ask the question and very intentionally say, we're not talking about this right now. Let's all think about this. Or, or if you have that one who always needs to share in the moment and they don't think if they're not talking, there are people who are wired that way. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you would want to sort of say it a little bit differently. Say, I have a question for us and I suspect that we're going to have to keep asking the same question. Today, if you have something to say, great, want to hear it. If you don't have something to say today, that's okay too because I think we're going to have to come back to this one. And that is, clearly the world has changed. What do we know that whenever the world changes, God opens up opportunities? What is that? What is he doing here that we can enter into? Before we get to the get in the van story, yeah, I just, I was thinking, uh, if you have any particular words for those who maybe more time with each other was not a pleasant prospect three weeks ago, and has been an exceptionally burdensome parents. That's one thing that I've been convicted of, right, is in our normal rhythm, we can sometimes become experts at avoiding problems. Uh, and we kind of like lean on the rhythm of, oh, I'm busy with such and such, or we need to do such and such. 
to kind of like push away some of those obstacles or, or, or things? And how should the person who just feels they are trapped and they're about to explode and they, and they know they shouldn't and they, they, they don't want to, but they still just feel trapped in that. I don't know if I've articulated the kind of situation. Trap is a good way to describe this time. You, you have to stay in your house. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of places to go. You can take walks. Okay, that's cool. You can go out into the backyard. It rains. It's raining here today. Uh, <laughs> there is no place to go. You can't go to the mall. You can't get away from each other. Uh, there's no coffee shop. I think your first recourse is, Lord God, this is bigger than me. I feel like I can't handle this. And that's one of those places where I think in the Psalms, there's just such a rich metaphor of God being a rock, a fortress, a shelter uh, in time of trouble. And he pictures himself very intentionally as this place that you run to when you're struggling. And when well, for whatever reason, whatever is happening out there, that battle is, is just too big for you. And you go to him and you find goodness with him. I'm probably going to misquote this. So you can, when, when we do get together physically, everybody can correct me. I think it's Psalm 18, but the very front end of that first couple of verses are all about, here's who God is. He's that rock fortress refuge. You think, okay, that's wonderful. How is that different from an escape? How is that different from zoning out into Netflix or disappearing into my office and closing the door, dropping myself into a novel, sleeping an extra two, three, four hours? What does it mean that he's a, a fortress for me? As you read through that psalm, which I think is 18, you get to these verses where something's happening inside that fortress. And what's happening is God is training my hands for war, and he makes me strong so that I can bend a bow of bronze. And you get this image that whatever that thing was out there that was overwhelming that I had to flee from to get into this fortress, he's doing something in me now for what? So that I can go back. In that sense, the psalm has a circular motion to it, where I run to the Lord, I say, this is more than I can handle. I need your help. Train me, develop me, strengthen me in one area. That's because <laughs> I have to go back now. I can't let the kids stay in front of the TV all day long. I need help. And at the end of that psalm, there is this victorious, hey, I was able to defeat my enemies. Mm. I always make sure that I say, your, your children are not your enemy. The sin that would tempt you to think they are is. Mm. The evil that would enter in and convince you that you're all alone is. The, the evil that would say, you'll never be able to handle this. That's the enemy. And that's really what you, you want help from the Lord to overcome. When I'm not in that place, uh, I'm not real good with my family and make lots of mistakes. Indeed, it was Psalm 18. And Psalm 18, 31 and 32 says this, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless? Indeed, he trains us to do things. And Bill is now going to share the fruit of some of that training and uh, a story from his own life. What do I like about that story? That story was a challenge for me that in multiple ways and multiple times, I, I have absolutely blown and made things worse with my kids. I think it was, it was one of the, I, I think around Easter or so, where we were going to go down to see my folks. Our kids were youngish at that time, all elementary school aged. 
I think the baby might have been a little bit younger, but in, in that same range. Uh, I wanted to give everybody enough time to get ready. I hate being surprised myself. And so I walked through the living room. The three kids are in there. And I said, look, in about 10 minutes, we're going to go mom and pop. So I want you to get ready. Everybody nods. We're all in agreement. This is good. I'm a good counselor. I'm a good pastor. I walk out of the room, do my things. I come back in and I say, okay, it's time. Let's go get in the van. And all three of them get up and they go in every possible direction except the van. <laughs> and it just sort of, and I'm left standing there in the living room all by myself. And I'm thinking, wait, wait what just happened here? Now, in that moment, I have to do something. And what I do is going to communicate those three things that I said earlier. But because I'm an image of God, it's also going to communicate something to them about the God that I am relating to. What are my options at that moment? On the one side is the come down hard on people. You know, uh, wander around the house yelling and shouting, I said, get in the van, get in the van means now, or badgering people. Why are you not in the van? I told you to get in the van. Why aren't you listening? You never listen. You never do anything right. All of those kinds of things that come quickly to my mind because they've come, unfortunately, quickly out of my mouth at times. What happens if I go down that road? Um, here's the horror of sin. It works. If my goal at that moment is to get everybody in the van, at that point in time, I'm big enough, I'm loud enough, they're emotionally dependent, physically dependent enough, they'll get in the van. But they'll do that in a large part to escape me, and they'll do that out of fear. They'll do that because I'm threatening. I will teach them something about authority, that it's abusive, heavy-handed. But most of what I'm going to do is I'm going to communicate, here's the God I know. And the God that I know can't stand it when I mess up, when I sin. And he suddenly springs into action, badgering, threatening, until I get back in line, because I've obviously threatened and ruined something in his creation that he can't figure out how to fix apart from threatening and badgering. So that's option one. Option two, I just feel helpless at that moment. Which one of the three do I run after? I, I, this is going to take forever. You know what? They'll probably, in their own good time, eventually come out to the van. I could go out there and sulk now, and, and I can feel self-pitying and sorry for myself. And I, I work and I work and I work. I try to do nice things around here. I try to get everything in helpful patterns for other people. And nobody cares. Nobody really pays attention. They couldn't be bothered. You know, and you go off and you, and you think about all those kind of things. I provide everything and they give me no respect and et cetera. Again, all of the things that come quickly out of my heart. What happens if I go down that road? Again, they will eventually come out to the van. I will be cold and bitter. There will be no relationship. And again, what I'm going to communicate is this is kind of like Jesus. He's really disappointed in people most of the time, but he feels utterly helpless and, and he has no real plan. And so he's just basically sitting back waiting for the world to end so that maybe it'll be a little bit better the second time around. <laughs> you think, okay, neither one of those is the gospel. I've had enough times where the Lord has made it very clear through scripture, through prayer, that I am his, that he has committed himself to me, that I will never lose that relationship. And that means that I actually have, I'm not standing there alone in the living room. I'm standing there with him. And because I have the best relationship with someone that I'm ever going to have with him, I lose absolutely nothing by pursuing my family. If they reject me, okay, he won't. If they hear me, then not only is it he and I in that room, but now I also have regained my kids as well. So I stepped in front of one of my little ones as they're 
sort of going off to doing something. I said, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to go brush my hair. And you get that defensive pushback. Well, who do you think you are stepping up? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, what were you doing when I told you to take 10 minutes and get ready? Well, I was reading a book. I said, okay, um, you were thinking about how many people when you were reading your book. And so I got a little softness at that point. They said, one. And I said, I was thinking about the five of us in our family. And I was thinking about two grandparents. I was thinking about seven people. You're thinking about one. Honey, I love you. Which means what? You, you can't live your life this small, wrapped up in yourself like you're the only person that exists. Get in the van. And, and by coming to them in that kind of way, trying to engage them rather than berate them or manipulate them, but having a direct, straightforward kind of conversation, it touched their heart. Doesn't always. This is not the principal way of getting your kids to do what you want. This is a relational yeah. attempt to invite them to something, like God invites you to something. But this was one of those times where it really did touch their heart. They led us in prayer. A little voice comes from the back of the van, says, hey, I'm sorry. And what I did was wrong. Will you forgive me? And then we prayed together and they confessed their sins to the Lord. And other people then started to confess their sins to the Lord. And it was one of those moments where everybody came together rather than being split apart. That's been my experience when other people do this for me. Mm-hmm. Because there are times where you know my daughter's had to come into my world when she sees that look come over my face and say, easy daddy. There have been times where my wife has said to me, we need you to go take a walk because you're no good to us like this right now. And you need to get yourself right with the Lord. And I need to have that kind of ministry to me. Uh, I have had a colleague uh, lean herself up against my door and say, you don't need me to tell you right now that your lifestyle's unhealthy, do you? And, and what, what are they doing? They're, they're speaking out of the grace that they've heard from the Lord to me in those moments where I'm captured by something else. My plea in the book is, let's experience our faith. And as we experience the love that God has for us, then let's give that away to each other in words. Thank you. I think that's a, that's a, that's a perfect place to end. Certainly, we all want to know more of that of understanding God's love and the specific ways that it has affected us and experiencing it. And we also would love to spend more time together reflecting on how that transforms our parenting. As, as we close our time, could you pray for us and for them as they seek to care for their children in this way? Father, thank you for having come to us with words that communicate who you are and communicate your heart to us. Thank you, Lord, that you have wooed us with your words, Lord, that you have rebuked us with your words, but you've done that in a way that has drawn us even closer to you. Lord, would you speak to me today? Would you speak to John, to to the rest of the listeners in ways that remind us, bring back scripture, Lord, to us. Uh, Let us see that so that we know how you're relating to us, because we need to do that with the people around us today. And please, Lord, would you do that for your glory and for the, the greatness of your name? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for By the Way. We pray that your faith was encouraged, your mind equipped, and your heart engaged, all exalting our great covenant-keeping God for whom we raise our children. Until next time, be well and enjoy God.